What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison. Good to be with you guys this morning. Sitting down with Mike <laughs> Moses, lead pastor here at Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Hello, Ask LFC podcast listeners. Yo, everybody. I almost just, it's a very, the, the intro music is a very sacred thing. I almost just willy-nilly changed it and 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 realized no this is a this is a process that requires some thinking possibly <laughs> possibly going through some kind of committee maybe I'm not sure mm-hmm. but it needs to be taken very carefully but we're glad you guys decided to join us again on this episode 93 we're coming up on 100 episodes of this podcast which is wild but it's been awesome to sit down hang with you guys and talk about stuff God is doing and and uh some things that hopefully have been cool for you to learn. I've learned a lot doing this over 93 episodes, Mike. So it's been cool. Me too. Um and thanks for all you've done to set it up and make this happen, Harrison. Um hey, today um I the the core of what I'd like to offer you as we are um moving into this heart of the summer series on the book of Galatians. We're all reading it on a Bible app together. If you didn't hear about that Sunday, watch for that in the e-note. We're, we're hoping to all track together on the same Bible app, the same daily reading through Galatians. I'm pretty pumped about that. I've gotten started in it. Today was day two. Um, but as we get into this series, today I, I, uh, I think you, you know, many of you, that um, Martin Luther started the Protestant Reformation of the Christian faith, this great rediscovery of the biblical doctrine of justification by faith alone that just set the world on fire in the 1500s in Germany. Well, it was uh, his reading of Galatians that set his heart aflame, mm-hmm. uh, his own discovery that um, he is justified before God by faith in Christ, not by anything he adds to it with his works. And so I'm going to um, offer to you some of Martin Luther's comments on, on a, a sort of um, an overlook of the book of Galatians, um, because I think you, our podcast listeners, will hang in for that in a way that, should I go there for very long on a Sunday morning, uh, we might kind of lose people, especially in the heart of the summer. Um, so we'll get to that, but first, uh, Harrison, uh, you had a Sunday off. I've been encouraging you since your sabbatical to take a few more regularly planned Sundays off because <clears throat> when you're doing what you and I do on a Sunday, there's just no way out of the adrenaline um, journey that's every seven days. Yes. That's ramping, ramping, ramping. And then on the seventh day, it's, ah! and, and it's, uh, studies have shown actually that for pastors and I, I, therefore I presume it's the same for worship leaders, you do this adrenaline high that then your body is wrung out adrenaline wise yeah and you're at this incredible low every monday um so uh i'm glad you did that uh where'd you go yeah it was great went over to drove drove over to Asheville, hung out in the mountains for a couple days doing some uh baseball stuff with my kids and uh it's fun when your kids are are that age our our oldest one is is 18 the tournament was for him but we went with all of our kids and when you have younger kids, it doesn't actually matter where you go. If you're staying in a hotel, that's the vacation. Because <laughs> they're like, this is all, and yes. there's a pool? Oh. Yes. So, uh, no, we had a good time. And, and, and to your point, um, that's, a, that's a major thing that I learned last summer having my first sabbatical is really the importance of 
taking a rest every now and again and the, the amount of intentional recharge that can happen by stepping away even for as little as, as a week and making it a point to step away, take a breath, refill, recharge. And luckily for us, uh, God has really uh, blessed us around here at Lake Forest Huntersville in terms of the uh, worship leaders and musicians that are yes. a part of our team where I know that I can be gone for a Sunday and the whole thing doesn't fall apart without me. We have such great people here and I'm, I'm so uh, thrilled to be able to partner with them in ministry every week. So it's, yes. it's very easy right now for me to step back and say, you guys go do your thing and run with it. And, and I trust you. Well, and with Erin Maynor, our worship artist in residence, um, uh, she brought in a new musician with us uh, this past Sunday. If you guys have not caught up on worship yet, uh, the keyboardist, his first name is Gnarly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a story there I didn't get to ask him. But he'll be a new friend of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. He's in a band with some of our band members that plays out and about. Um, and just loved the, the old hem moment. Um, that he and Aaron led us in. Speaking of Sunday, um, the it's it's been fun. All the fun comments coming in uh, that I invited Harrison. I didn't pre-plan this. I, I have an intern this summer, uh, Mason Hamilton, uh, who says he's interested in pastoral ministry. Oftentimes, our our interns are specifically interested in youth ministry or children's ministry or technical things production. But he specifically said pastoral ministry. So in addition to doing some leading in youth ministry, he's been meeting with me about what does it mean to be a pastor. And I've I've been giving him assignments to go study Galatians chapter 1 week by week and bring back some different things. And the content he brought, he was so engaged with it. He read commentaries. He was so uh, uh, thoughtful and faithful in what he wrote for me as an outline of how you might apply Galatians chapter 1 that... Therefore, as you know, only last Wednesday <clears throat> did I say, hey, Mason, you know what? You really need to give this part of the sermon. And he he was pretty eager to do so, although nervous. And, yeah. Uh, just fun behind the scenes to uh, Thursday, I had, we came here in the worship center, and I had him stand on the stage and preach his part aloud while we sort of co-edited it together. Then he met me up here again Saturday afternoon. We take this very seriously, and uh, and he preached it through, and I sat out there and uh, gave him a few tips. But what was most re- the content was great. What was most remarkable to me is there is so much about how you present, uh, uh, how you speak publicly that is uh, it takes a long time to learn a lot of skill, and I had to coach him on almost nothing regarding presentation. It was, it's, it's, it's a, um, by the way, fear of public speaking is still the number one fear of Americans. I, I run across that every now and then. Um, and I mean, he just nailed it. So that was just fun. And an example to me, we, we've, we've highlighted our interns a little bit this summer. Cami runs that program and does such a good job. And then all of us, most of us have interaction with the interns. We have two of them who sit in our worship planning meeting every week. Um, it's just another part of being a healthy, layered, multi-generational discipling church. Discipling people at every age, grow, growing that in thick ways for those who want to go further, faster, having that option. And our intern program is that for, um, 
late high school, early college. I think one of the <clears throat> one of the coolest things that I've found, uh, especially over the past five or six years here at Lake Forest of being in ministry and helping lead ministry teams that that I've been coached in really well uh, is it's such a cool feeling, better feeling to me than nailing something that I, I a song or something that I think is really cool and I did it great. I get more of a rush. The, the, no, the, this is not like an over exaggeration for podcast purposes. It's totally legit. <laughs> like getting somebody on my team in the exact right position okay. and watching them succeed because people are gifted in such different ways. It's, I mean, it reminds me of a team, a sports team. You play football, baseball, whatever. Like some some people are made to be a middle linebacker, and some are are made to be a running back. And when you figure out, I know I have this person. I know there's talent there. Uh-huh. God's gifted them in some way, and in the process of getting to know them, working with them, partnering with them, um, helping in some of our cases, like Mason to to pass along some of the stuff that we've learned over time and then you get them in that right spot and they just kill it and you're like yes that is the best feeling and uh we we which is why we love partnering with people around here because that's that's the best part and that's super cool to see yes yes well um two i had two favorite moments sunday harrison and since you weren't there i'll tell you what they were thank you one of them was a discipleship moment. One of our longtime ministry partners uh, grabbed me after one of the services and said, Mike, in obedi- I, I happened to read James chapter 5 this week uh, where God's Word says, if any of you is sick, let him call the elders uh, and, and let them anoint you with oil and pray for healing. And uh, this ministry partner said, out of pride, I have been refusing to do that, but I allowed... God's word to correct me this week, and so here I am in obedience. Don't tell anybody, so I'm not using the name or the gender. Don't tell anybody because I'm a very private person, but could you and an elder to pray for me? And so we did. We had a sweet time of prayer for healing for something really important in this ministry partner's life. Mm-hmm. And just an example of someone who's been a Christian for a long time <laughs> um, has a new circumstance in their life. And God's Word always has something fresh to say when we're in new circumstances. Parts of God's Word that may have not seemed highlighted to us before, the Holy Spirit will highlight now in our present circumstance. So I was, I was so encouraged both that this ministry partner is in the Word regularly and then was a doer, not just a, a reader. Hmm. Um, second thing that was super fun for me about Sunday is Melissa— who runs our greeter ministry on Sunday mornings, um, came to me afterwards and like a deck of cards fanned out all these first-timer cards. And we basically had like a record number of not just first-time guests, but people who actually fill out a card, um, which are two different things. Um, Like a record number for any time during the year, and it was July 10th. So I don't know what's going on going on there. Um, a lot of people are telling us that they've just moved to the area, for example. So I don't know if that's part of um, uh, after the shutdown of the pandemic and things or, or, or people moving and shaking quite a bit at once. We know that there is a sorting going on among people's church attendance as well post-pandemic. All that to say, um, uh, Ask LFC Podcast listeners, please, please have your eyes and ears open. Please take the risk 
every Sunday that you're here in person. And somebody within your your wingspan, take the risk to say, hey, I don't know if we've met before. My name is, uh, and how long have you been at Lake Forest? That's all you have to do. Just take that risk. That is the difference between being a friendly and an unfriendly church and the difference between someone coming in and feeling seen by the Lord because they were seen by us. So there you go. And that's one of the biggest indicators um, of people wanting to have a return visit to a church. Yes. If they if they walk in and out and maybe the only person that said anything to them the whole morning is the person at the front door whose kind of job it is to say a quick two-word, hey, good morning. Uh, that was three words. But if uh, if that's the only person that, you know, sees and, – and as a caveat, you know, sometimes – people when they're visiting a church want to be a little incognito, right. right? They don't want to and be, you can read that. Yeah. They don't want to be overwhelmed <laughs> by you walking up and Hey, how's it going? But there's a middle ground there of, you can kind of tell, you can get a sense of people looking around yes. like, you know, I'm, well, I think it would be best if you, if you interpret that after asking, Hey, I'm not sure we've met before. Hey, my name's Harrison. Yep. Um, then interpret what they want from there. Um, let's turn to Martin Luther. Let's do it. And the book of Galatians. I loved opening up Galatians last Sunday. Uh, if you weren't there, again, we're going to go one chapter, one Sunday at a time for six weeks through the book of Galatians. Um, and this is titled Preface to Galatians by Martin Luther. And I'm offering this to you just so you hear a little bit of the actual voice of the initiator of the Protestant Reformation. Um, in the 1500s, Martin Luther, he was a Catholic monk, actually, who had a very sensitive conscience before the Lord over his sin and found himself in confession <laughs> day after day after day, wearing out his confessors and so guilty in his conscience before God that his whole relationship with God was this one of guilt and shame and averted eyes. I can't, can't look up. And through his study of the book of Galatians and then Romans, he saw afresh the essence of the gospel that uh, has never died out in 2,000 years in the witness of the church, but in some of the abuses of medieval Catholic, Roman Catholicism had, had we'll just say, uh, <clears throat> perhaps had been hard to see um, without going into all the history of it. And so this is now sometime later. Martin Luther didn't write this to start the Reformation. This is now his considered thought at a later date. So this is his introduction to the book of Galatians. And I'm going to give you a little bit of his language, and then I'll just paraphrase. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just want to give you all a taste here. His first subheading is this, the most important thing in the world. Hmm. The one doctrine which I have supremely in my heart is that of faith in Christ, from whom, through whom, and unto whom all my theological thinking flows back and forth day and night. This rock, which we call the doctrine of justification through faith, was shaken by Satan in paradise when he persuaded our first parents that they might by their own wisdom and power become like God. Ever since then, the whole world has invented innumerable religions and ways through which, without the aid of Christ, use their works to redeem themselves from evil and sins. When Paul discusses the biblical doctrine of justification by faith, 
he explains that there are several kinds of righteousness. First of all, there's political or civil righteousness. That's about public laws. <clears throat> Second, there's cultural righteousness, which he talks about are standards of family or what's correct in your culture, manners, and things like that. Third, there's ethical righteousness, the Ten Commandments, the law of God. Um, and he says, so all these types of righteousnesses may be received without danger as long as we attribute to them no power to satisfy for sin, to please God, or to deserve grace. These kinds of righteousness, civil, ethical, uh, and cultural, are gifts of God like all good things we enjoy. Yet there is another righteousness far above the others, which Paul calls, quote, <clears throat> the righteousness of faith. God imputes it to us apart from our works, in other words, and this is an important phrase for Martin Luther, it is passive righteousness, as the others are active righteousness. For we do nothing for it, and we give nothing for it. We only receive it. Luther goes on. <clears throat> Again, this is all the preface to the book of Galatians. This passive righteousness is a mystery that the world cannot understand. Indeed, Christians never completely understand it themselves and thus do not take advantage of it when they are troubled and tempted. So we have to constantly teach it, repeat it, and work it out in practice. Anyone who does not understand this passive righteousness or cherish it in the heart and conscience will continually be buffeted by fears and depression. Nothing gives peace like this passive righteousness. For human beings by nature, when they get near either danger or death itself, will of necessity examine their own worthiness. We defend ourselves before all threats by recounting our good deeds and moral efforts, but then the remembrance of sins and flaws comes to mind. This tears us apart. And we think how many errors and sins and wrongs I have done. This was Luther's own story, of course, Harrison. Mm -hmm. Please, God, let me live so I can fix my errors. We become obsessed with our active righteousness and terrified by its imperfections. But the real evil is that we trust our own power to be righteous and will not lift up our eyes to see what Christ has done for us. So the troubled conscience has no cure for its desperation and feelings of unworthiness unless it takes hold of the forgiveness of sins by grace, offered free of charge in Jesus Christ, which is this passive or Christian righteousness. If I tried to fulfill the law myself, I could not trust in what I had accomplished. Neither could I stand up to the judgment of God. So I rest only upon the righteousness of Christ, which I do not produce but receive. God the Father freely giving it to us through Christ. Now, the next section of Luther's preface to Galatians, he titles Law and Grace. It's a bit lengthy, Harrison, so I, I won't quote it in full, although it's important, and we will certainly get into that. Cammy has uh, the chapter uh, to preach that's mostly about law and grace, uh, and I told her, good luck with that. I handed her three commentaries. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that'll be a, a great exegetical challenge for her. Yeah. Um, but Luther says, it's an absolute and unique teaching in all the world to teach people through Christ to live as if there were no law or wrath or punishment. In a sense, 
they do not exist any longer for the Christian, but only total grace and mercy for Christ's sake. And then he goes on and says that the purpose of the law when you're outside of Christ is actually to show you um, how defeated you are if you're attempting to earn a way to God by doing by accumulating your own righteousness. So the law is actually to defeat us before we're in Christ. And after we're in Christ, the law is only a pleasure and an honor to glorify God with our lives. But however, it is no longer has power over us. And so then he says, so then have we nothing to do to obtain this righteousness? No, nothing at all. This righteousness comes by doing nothing, hearing nothing, knowing nothing, but rather believing this only, that Christ has gone to the right hand of the Father, not to become our judge, but to become for us our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, our salvation. Now, God sees no sin in us, for in this heavenly righteousness, sin has no place. So now we may certainly think, quote, Although I still sin, I don't despair, because Christ lives, who is both my righteousness and my eternal life, end quote. In that righteousness, I have no sin, no fear, no guilty conscience, no fear of death. I am indeed a sinner in this life of mine and in my own righteousness, but I have another life, another righteousness above this life, which is in Christ, the Son of God, who knows no sin or death, but is eternal righteousness and eternal life. Harrison, then uh, Luther finishes this preface to the Galatians with a, a final section that says, Living the Gospel. While we live here on earth, we will be accused, exercised with temptations, oppressed with heaviness and sorrow, and bruised by the law with its demands of active righteousness because of this. Now he actually gets to Galatians. <laughs> because of this, Paul sets out in this letter of Galatians to teach us, comfort us, and to keep us constantly aware of this Christian passive righteousness. For if the truth of being justified by Christ alone, not by our works, if that truth is lost, then all Christian truths are lost. For there is no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There is no other alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own work. On this truth, and only on this truth, the church is built and has its being. Now he turns to everyday life with one paragraph. This distinction is easy to utter in words, but in use and experience it is very hard. Harrison, I think this is what you'll see my heart come even this Sunday. I, I was trying to get this in everyday life with this metaphor I used of a spotlight of the, the righteousness of Christ, the approval of Christ on the believer by faith everywhere we go. I, I just, I want it, to, it's, friends, it's like I wish I could reach out and shake everyone by the lapel and go, can you get this not just in words but in experience and in everyday usage? Um, and that's what I so long for. And so Luther says in that regard, So I challenge you to exercise yourselves continually in these matters through study, reading, meditation on the Word, and prayer, so that in the time of trial you will be able to both inform and comfort both your own conscience and others, hmm. to bring them from law to grace, 
from active works righteousness to passive Christ's righteousness. In times of struggle, the devil will seek to terrify us by using against us our past record and the wrath and law of God. So if we cannot see the differences between the two kinds of righteousness, and if we do not take hold of Christ by faith, sitting at the right hand of God, pleading our case as sinners to the Father, then we are under the law, not under grace. And then Christ is no Savior but a lawgiver, and no longer our salvation but an eternal despair. Hmm. So learn to speak the gospel to one's heart. For example, when the law creeps into your conscience, learn to be a cunning logician. Learn to use arguments of the gospel against it. Say this, and here's a self-speak or a self-prayer when the law uh, creeps back into your conscience. Quote, O law, you would climb up into the kingdom of my conscience and there reign and condemn me for sin and would take from me the joy of my heart which I have by faith in Christ. And law, you would drive me to desperation that I might be without hope. You have overstepped your bounds. Know your place. Law, you are a guide for my behavior, but you are not Savior and Lord of my heart. For I am baptized and through the gospel am called to receive righteousness and eternal life. So trouble me not, for I will not allow you, so intolerable a tyrant and tormentor, I will not allow you to reign in my heart and conscience, for they are the seat and temple of Christ, the Son of God, who is the King of righteousness and peace, and my most sweet Savior and mediator. He shall keep my conscience joyful and quiet in the sound and pure doctrine of the gospel through the knowledge of this passive and heavenly righteousness. End. When we are assured of this righteousness, Luther concludes, we not only cheerfully work well in our vocations, but we submit to all manner of burdens and dangers in this present life because we know that this is the will of God and that this obedience pleases Him. This then is the argument of this epistle which Paul expounds against the false teachers who had darkened the Galatians' understanding of this righteousness by faith. And there you have it, the preface to Galatians from the founder of Protestant Christianity on whose shoulders we stand at Lake Forest. And we will attempt to stand weekly as we expound the doctrine of justification by faith alone this month. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Be sure and get on our social media. Read the e-note this week to be sure that you dial in to the Bible app for your summer reading. Add it on to the top of your pile with your Lake Forest tribe. We'll see you next time. See you guys.